0: Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com, get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design.
1: The chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most for what you want at the moment.
0: Dory one, this is Fire Team Delta, dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I'm your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Back to Episode 70 of Military Veteran Dad thank you for coming back to this podcast you out there the listener i greatly appreciate you as this podcast grows we just passed ten thousand downloads it's crazy to think of the amount of work but then also to think of the amount of reward that has come out of it from you the listeners and the stories that you guys have shared with me it is just i can't even really put words to it it's just it really hits me to the core and i get more excited every episode to keep going because I know this content is helping you out there. I want to remind you that if you aren't a member of the Facebook group, go on and check it out because we've just started during COVID nineteen doing a, a Zoom call on Friday on Sunday nights at eight thirty Central, six thirty Pacific, and nine thirty Eastern. Again, eight thirty Central on Sunday nights, we're doing a free Zoom call in the Facebook group. Go in there, check it out, see what's going on, and just share the load. I've talked about it so many times in the podcast that if you have something heavy on your heart, you need to be able to get that out. And this is an opportunity where you can do that. And we've got about four or five guys that keep coming back right now. So it's a nice, small, uh, intimate conversation where we've just kind of talked about life. Last week, we helped a guy start a podcast, or it's closer to starting a podcast week before we were just kind of comparing what life was like for each other but we're just going through sharing our story because that's a lot of what helps you feel connected and in this time there is nothing better than feeling connected welcome back to episode 70 of military veteran dad i just want to again thank you i know i've done it but i want to thank you for keep coming back we had just passed ten thousand downloads on the podcast and that's one of those big first hurdles that most podcasts have to pass and the, the fact that we passed it means the world to me because that means that you guys keep coming back you enjoy the value you are sharing the value with others that there are the community of listeners is getting bigger and bigger and as you think of what you're going through during COVID 19 i want to remind you that we have the Facebook group for military dads. If, if you love this podcast, if you're a military dad, check out in the show notes. There's a link for the Facebook group. We're doing a weekly free Zoom call on Sunday nights at 8:30 Central Time, six thirty Pacific or nine thirty Eastern. And essentially, just that phone call where we're sharing a little. We got about four or five guys. We really tackle whatever someone has. Last week, we helped the guy with the podcast. Before, we were just kind of comparing where everybody was at in life, what they had going on. But that human connection is something that helps rebuild some of those missing links that you don't have from the military anymore. But then also just during coronavirus, like you need that connection. Like it feels good just to talk about not nonsense, but just to talk with other people that are on some of the same journey and that can relate with you. Like that can be so powerful as you think about growing through COVID-19 or just making it to the other side, whatever you've got, if you've lost your job, if your finances are under pressure, whatever that may be, just know that there's a resource out there in the Facebook group, jump in there, the call is free again, and we're just sharing the load. So I'd encourage you if you like the podcast and you want more, check out that Facebook group because we've been doing life in there for a while now, and I'd love to have you there. Today's episode is with Daniel Lorenzo. He's a husband, father, and an entrepreneur. And he was a veteran of the United States Army Special Forces. He's got a really wide story, not in like a bad way, but in a way that's got a lot of depth. And he's challenged his life in a lot of different ways where he hit a few walls that really forced him to dig deep and do some inside reflection that really allowed him to push his life forward. And what I mean by that is he had to ask that hard question, am I being the best dad that I can be with the choices that I make in the day? Some of the topics we talk about are the power of coaching, what to do when you hit rock bottom, what do you do next? He specializes in helping others, and including veterans, find a franchise that they can become an owner of to help create that freedom in their life. So we talk about that. We make the most of the little moments with family. Coming back home to your marriage. He didn't have kids during the service, but he was married. So what did that look like, being part of the special forces and coming back home to your marriage? We talk about that, creating clarity in your life. He had to do the inner work and really figure out where he wanted to go and what vehicle was going to get there. He talks about how being a part of the special forces created a force multiplier within himself. We dive there. And finally, one of the areas we talk about is how do you change your family tree forever? How do you go from a point where this is the road I'm on and I change it and do a right turn? And that literally changes maybe the path, the the decades of history that's been in your family that's repeated itself. We talk about how a single choice, a single choice to choose freedom can be one of those things that completely changes your family tree forever forever and really creates the family and the legacy that we talk about that you really want for your family going forward. So without further ado, here's Daniel Lorenzo, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks for having me, Ben. We met on LinkedIn, and I say this in the beginning of every podcast, I'm always amazed at the amount of random people you can meet when you have a podcast, and you're a good example of that, because when we talked, you had a great story, and it's like You really don't even have any magnetism to find people like you or stories like you if you don't have a good podcast or some type of magnet to pull people towards. And so I'm always amazed at the people that come on the show or ask to come on the show. And I'm excited about our conversation today and what you can share with our audience because you have a very powerful story and that's where you are now. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us about your family and your military background and what you're up to today.
1: Yeah, I know. Oh, yeah. LinkedIn is a, is a special platform, right? I mean, you can reach out to anyone and hopefully, you know, the, the outcome is going to be that they're going to be equally as uh, excited to, to have a conversation. Right. And so I appreciate you and applaud you for, for taking that leap of faith and responding to my messages and, and look at where we are now. So, so thank you. Um, yeah, no, Dan and, uh, you know, I spent about 20, 22 years in the military. I'm still in the U.S. Army Special Forces uh, through the 28th Special Forces group. Um, you know, long, long military career, lots of lots of deployments and uh, got to about the 12, 12, 13 year mark on active duty and had a, a uh, come to Jesus moment where I was just like, what am I going to do for the rest of my life? I mean, this can only last for so long. I can only be deployed so many times, and so that's when I started looking into the civilian sector, and, and quickly realized that I lacked the ability to translate my extensive military experience into something that a corporate America, Fortune five hundred, Fortune one hundred company, deems valuable. So that's on me. Um, but you work through that, and you persevere, and and you do the things necessary to ensure that you can in fact, live a life that you love after your service to this country. And so I found entrepreneurship through franchising and and much of my life uh, while I'm still in in the National Guard, but uh, even back then in 2013 when I started, uh, has been focused on building businesses uh, and helping other people do the same, especially in veterans. to answer your question fully, you know, that brings me to a point where I am truly living a life that I live with financial and lifestyle freedom, which enables me to spend copious amounts of time with my children at the most exciting as, like, parts of their lives. They're a little over three and a half and a little over one now.
0: Oh yeah, that's the, the early stages and you haven't even got to the fun part where they actually like to play with you yet. They're just kind of like <laughs> people you have to keep alive at that age.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny, you know, my my older one is uh, more timid, he's kind of like his mom. And then my younger one, she is uh, savage like me. And so I can tell how fast, I can see how fast she's developed at the same age as my older son has uh, because he didn't have anyone to like look after, right? He didn't have anyone to see that was his Mm -hmm. size or whatnot. And so, yeah, my daughter, I mean, she just, she's, a, a savage man. She, she is so far advanced. There's
0: actually a hidden lesson right there with your kids watching themselves grow up. That's the power of coaching that you find someone in your life to follow who's living life a little bit more advanced than you. And you want to learn the shortcut and get excited about that life. And kids have that as a natural ability when they have siblings, cause they see this person running around going crazy. They want to do that. They want to do all the things their older brother and sisters are doing That's what coaching is, is what kids do. They model that behavior. They copycat it. They shortcut the learning, which is what coaching does as well. You can cut years off of a learning process by coaching. And it's often something that a lot of people don't correlate between how their kids learn and how they can learn as an adult. I'm sure to cross that barrier for you, and when you had that skills gap, you probably brought coaching in your life to help figure out and translate that to shortcut that process and make sure that it was as successful as it could be.
1: Oh, you know, that, that is an, a, an incredible point that you make, Ben. I mean, uh, i it's so weird. I think on Saturday I i received a text message uh, from an old high school baseball teammate of mine. You know, we won, you know, several state championships uh, back in the late nineties. And, um, you know, he told me that my high school coach has the MP3 recording of our 1997 state championship. And, uh, that he didn't know where I was, so he couldn't send it to me. And so it just led down a path of, man, I remember Coach C. Like he was a, a, a huge impact on me at, in my high school years because I spent so much time around him because of baseball. And uh, we ended up texting for a good two or three hours on Saturday back and forth, just kind of sending pictures back and forth and getting to know each other. And, mm-hmm. and when, you, when you have these good influences in your life, these positive influences you know i told them i just said listen thank you for everything that you did for me back then um you know i still uh utilize those lessons uh, it's helped me become the person i am
0: and the part that you're kind of just getting into that most military dads don't recognize is we as military dads and fathers have experienced a massive amount of life by the time we live even if you did four years you will experience and live and have a depth to the world that very few people that can even fathom and come close to. And if we can actually shortcut the learnings and the depth and gift that wisdom to our kids, we can give them a huge running start against the rest of the world because most people don't spend time adding depth to their views, but military people have it naturally because of how we're, we are stationed abroad. We've seen multiple cultures. We had to integrate with multiple different people in the United States. That's a gift that can propel our family. And ourselves as a coach can help our kids shortcut some of those early learnings of how do you work with someone that you don't understand how do you work with someone who maybe doesn't make the same amount of money with as you like these are all things that we're great at ourselves because we learned them and that's the part where we can really instill that in our kids as they get that to that age of figuring out how life works
1: yeah you know and that speaks to another one of my passions which is leadership and leadership coaching and 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 Beaches and whatnot and so I published a document on my website uh, about like the eight leadership principles that I've learned from being in the green Berets and how they've made me a better father husband you know businessman and um, it's just it's super important that, that what you say because in a lot of that stuff I learned you know patrolling in hedgerows yep. in, in Iraq or in Central America or uh, South America or Asia like, everywhere I've been has had a profound impact on me. And and now not only do I hope to share that with, you know, random people that I come across like you and and your listeners and and my network of circle, but my children, like, I want them to see the value in, in leadership and how the world is a different place. And another interesting point, like we're at a point right now with this whole COVID crisis where you know, it's since World War II, I don't think the world has ever had such a shared challenge.
0: Yeah, stress test, to really challenge. And the good part is, I heard this analogy, like, no matter what you do to an orange, whether you throw it at the wall, whether you smash it, orange juice comes out. And that's essentially kind of like the, the, the people. Like, I think previously we were tested in, like, you think, go back millennia or centuries like it wasn't always the best part of us. It was kind of like the the caveman part would come back out of us. But this time, like the amount of love and compassion and the fact that hearts are on all the windows and everybody's like, we'll get through this, like that signals as a human society, we were evolving where when you squeeze us, just the, the same thing comes out. It's all orange juice. It's all positive. No matter what's happening to us, we've learned to value that human connection we have versus like, writing for survival and the toilet paper probably goes against that gate that we just went through. But I think that's natural and happens, but just the fact that everybody's leaning into love, like that's a very powerful stepping stone. I think it uh, gives me a lot of hope for ourselves coming out of this as well.
1: I, I couldn't agree more, man. It's, it's an interesting and, and, and wonderful time to, to be alive and, and especially be an American.
0: So you hit on a point that you flew over, but I want to dive deep into it. Go back, take us back to that moment where you had to figure out what you wanted to do when you grew up and what, what was your life look like? Did you have a family? What kind of people you were you trying to support and what was your mindset and like, what was that moment where you just woke up and you're like, I can't keep living on repeat? Yeah, 20, uh,
1: 2011 to 2012, I was a detachment commander for U.S. Special <laughs> Forces in El Salvador and uh, I was a CW-2, so a warrant officer. didn't have a captain. And um, I was leading an ODA, dealing with Southcom commander, dealing with uh, TSOC commanders, you know, on a weekly basis because we were setting up a, a, a counter uh, drug and human smuggling uh, task force for the El Salvadorans. You know, probably like the highlight of my military career. You know, here I am. Leading a team in Central America with so much history with the U.S. Army Special Forces being El Salvador, where MS-13 and M-18 are running rampant. And I'm here with 10 other guys, some of which I've deployed to combat with, some of which I've had. Uh, and we're just doing our mission, man. Like we're, we're playing in the Super Bowl. And it was awesome being a guardsman and being on so much active duty since then, um, as the deployment started to wind down, I was just like, man, what am I going to do with my life? You know, I can go on ADOS orders, which is like active duty uh, operational support for like the Pentagon or whatnot, but that wasn't fulfilling my life's goal and purpose, right? So I ended up getting this job at an intelligence firm outside of D.C. And I was very happy. I was in a team with bunch of former Green Berets, and uh, you know, we worked in this windowless room, and we just read intelligence reports and put them on, like, networking computer programs, right? God, it was mind-numbing. You know, it was right <laughs> during the, uh, the drawdown when Obama came into office, and we started to withdraw and withhold, like, combat operations in Afghanistan. It just so happened that I was following a network in Afghanistan, but nothing could happen. So I just was thinking to myself every day. I'd get there at 6 in the morning. i worked till 2 p.m. And at one forty-five, a dude would be standing behind me because we didn't have enough computers. And so I'd have to, like, log right off at 2 o'clock, walk out, and then go live my life. Well, it got to a point about six months in where I just woke up at 4 in the morning, got to the end of my bed, and just started bawling. Uh, I just started crying. And, and my wife now, she, she woke up, and she's like, what's wrong? Like, she'd never seen me cry before. And I was just like, I just don't know how like this happened. Like, How did, how did me
0: it end up here? This?
1: Yeah, right, right. Like, how am I so sidelined in everything that I've worked to achieve, like to become a special forces soldier and then a special forces officer? And and, and this isn't what I – my life means more. Like, I, I'm not impacting anyone, right? So I had a 45-minute conversation with the universe on the way to work after that. And you know, I put my big boy boots on, got in my call and drove to work 45 minutes each way and uh i just said listen I, i gotta make a choice i can be a pawn or i can be a knight like it is what it is and so i analyzed what was stopping me from achieving my goals and really what they were in the first place so i got to work uh put everything into the universe you know providence happens when you put things out there you say it out loud. I got to work and I told everyone, Hey man, I am going to go to grad school and get an MBA. And then, then um, I'm quitting. And so I went to work and I started filling out grad school applications and studying for GREs and GMATs. And at the same time though, what really changed my life was I looked at my older brother and he was a Marine from 1988 to 92 and all of his life, ever since he left the Marine Corps, He never went to college, but he started businesses and he ran businesses and some of them were franchises. And so he had this franchise in Delaware that I had watched for the 10 years previous, just changed his life. So I call him and I'm like, Hey man, like I'm miserable. I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what my next deployment will be. Um, I can't work this job anymore. I'm applying for grad school, stuff like that. And he was just like, well, you want to start a business? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Am I allowed to do
1: that? <laughs> yeah, right? Like, no one tell me to do is there that. Is something you can do? i talking about coaches, right? And I'm like, but yeah, I do. Like, I want to. I've always been entrepreneurial, right? Like, um, while I'm running two businesses, being in the military and running a corporate job, and then getting married and starting. And so, you know, my message to people now is like, you can go to work and you can work for the man, and there's nothing wrong with that. Okay, but it's if you're gonna sit there and you're gonna be miserable about it, then challenge yourself to learn more. Mm-hmm. Figure out what it is that you want in life. Go to the go th- through the conversations that you need to have to determine if franchising is for you, which is just another form of entrepreneurship, or if starting your own app or whatever it is is your right path. But find your path. Don't just sit yeah. there, and not do anything and complain. Because I'll tell you what. The thing that, besides being out of corporate America, I work for myself, I'm completely self-employed, I help people, my job is to help people find the perfect franchise for them. The biggest benefit that I experience from this life is the fact that I take my son to swim class every morning at 9.30 on Monday mornings, and on Tuesdays at 9.30 to 10.30 I take him to gymnastics, and then I drop him off at school, and I pick Pick them up at school at 5 45, and everything that I need to get done is on me, right? And I do all of that between 11 and 4, and that includes working out.
0: And you do that all in your own time, and it's centered around the most important thing, which is family.
1: Yes, 100%. Otherwise, what I'd wake up at 5 30 in the morning, I would either have to go work out before I have to go to work at 7 30 or to have to work out after. But what does that mean? That means I'm taking time away from my children uh, and my family. And I was terrified. Like, so you live in, you live just near Madison, Wisconsin, right? And so in DC, I don't know if you know this, but the traffic there is horrible.
0: Traffic's horrible in any big city. You can just pretty much. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So you're looking at, you could live 20 miles outside of DC and have to drive into DC every day. And it can take you almost two hours, Ben. And then on the way home, everyone's migrating out. So D.C. has a population of like 600,000 people, but during the workday, it swells to 1.5 million. So all those people are on the same two highways, okay? I was overcome with fear that one day, I, like, I wouldn't be able to make baseball games. I wouldn't be able to make t-ball games, soccer games. Because you'd be, be stuck in traffic. In, or, or in a cubicle. That's not the life a lot of us are supposed to live, but it is the life that some are and there's nothing wrong. It's just don't be the the desire to live
0: something differently. You have to me and you have a similar one where I uh, had a job corporate for eight years and it was my position was eliminated. But if I'm honest, I was never really that happy. And I wasn't, I was learning like you had mentioned, and this podcast exists as a method to try to build something outside of that but I wasn't being honest with myself and I should have just pulled the plug a long time ago instead of having to wait for my position to be eliminated. Because that question, that haunting feeling was really in the back of my mind. It was something that depressed me every day, just sitting there doing something that wasn't like fulfilling. And it may be something I could do, but I was like, it just doesn't make me happy. Like that was something that I, I, that feeling I ignored probably like yourself where you just woke up one morning and it just hits you like, If you're having these feelings, dads, like they're there for a reason. Like if you listen to the podcast, I talk about feelings a lot. Feelings are meant to be felt and understood, not suppressed. This feeling at work, I suppressed for far too long. And once I lost my job, I really was able to see like that feeling was there the entire time. I just got really good at suppressing it and lying to myself for what I needed to do.
1: Yeah. And and we do that because society kind of has a way of telling us, hey, you go to go to graduate, go to college,
0: um, and then get a job. Even TAPS course getting out of the military. They they issue programming to you. They issue a yeah. uniform on the way in, they issue programming on the way out. This is how the world works. This is how you take a square cube and fit it in a round hole, which most veterans yeah. don't fit through.
1: <laughs> no, we're independent thinkers. I you know, I tell people when I work with a lot of veterans and you know. I, I love working with veterans because I know what we're worth. Right. And mm-hmm. usually I, you know, my process is, is it, it's a, it's a process. So like we work together, I coach you along this way of finding that ideal business opportunity for you. Right. But I tell people all the time, they're like, man, I've never been in business. Like, like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, well, did you, did you know how to be a dad? No, i just kind of like, you, you just make it happen, right? Yeah. Well, the only difference is is that you buy a franchise, man. A lot of that stuff's already developed
0: for you. That's the best part you, of franchising for veterans. In. We already know how to follow a manual, and franchises have a manual.
1: Yes, and so, and then outside of that, though, Ben, it's like military people possess every business trade required to be successful. We just call it different things. Mm-hmm. That's it. We just need to. We just need to translate, like English to Spanish, right? Like. That's it, but I could take any veteran and be like, dude, if you just do what this franchise has set up for you and you follow that system and you, you know, you, you you make it fit you, right? Like you have some leeway here and there. But you're gonna be successful. Like just trust yourself. You know, you've taken towns and cities and and did cordons and searches in the middle of the night, you flew Blackhawks or whatever it is, man. You did amazing things. Like you could do this,
0: trust me. Mm-hmm. I'd like to go back a little bit further in your past. How did you end up in the special forces?
1: Yeah, um, well, you know, in high school, I was always uh, an athlete, and then, uh, but I also was in the Navy Junior ROTC program all the way through high school, right? And I, I really credit that a lot with uh, actually making the plunge to get into the military. It was it was fun. Um, you know, of course, you know, your buddies make fun of you when you walk to school in high school with like a nerdy uniform, um, but that you know, was worth it. So, you know, my brother was in the Marines, my dad was in the Air Force uh, back in the day and uh, always had a family of service. You know, I, I remember vividly watching the TV for hours on end during Desert Storm 1 because my brother was in Desert Storm 1. And I remember going to Paris Island and watching his boot camp graduation. And, and so it's just like all of these things that resonate. He's 10 years older than I am. So, so when he's 20, I'm 10, right? And I'm watching all this. And I'm going, man, this is fucking awesome, right? Like, this is great. And it, it gets to a point where I get to high school and I'm starting to prepare for college. And I didn't come from a very wealthy background. We were middle class. And I just remember my dad kind of looking at me one day and going, you really going to go to school, man? And I looked at him and I just said, no. I go, I'm not ready. All I want to do is party and have fun. So what I want to do is I want to join the military, but I either want to be a submariner, a Navy SEAL, or a Green Bray. And he was like, oh, okay, let's just go talk to recruiters. So I've never been the fastest guy, never been the strongest guy, never been you know the best baseball player, football player, right? I was always just like that average person, but I never quit. And uh, persistence is on potent, right? So I started going through the whole uh process and ended up going through MEPs for the army to become a computer programmer. And it got to the point where I was at the MEP station. i went through all the physical stuff and I was like, Hey, you gotta sign this paper now. Like it's time for you to enlist. And I couldn't do it. I was like, this isn't me. Like, I'm, I'm not a computer programmer. Right? Like I want to join the military, but like, this isn't me. So I put it on hold for like four months graduated from high school the next two weeks later i was like all right i'm ready to do this we went down to MEPS and then i became a Ford observer uh, joined the 82nd went through um, the 82nd airborne because it's before we had the uh the SOPC program which is where you can join the army now just to become a green gray so you had to have time and service before you join the special forces so i went through the 82nd and then two years in i met my minimum time requirements went to selection then I went to Korea for a year and then went through the Q course and I've been in special forces ever since.
0: What but were you hungry for that gravitated you towards the special forces? I wanted to be the best,
1: you know, like I wanted to surround myself with like-minded people. You are the average of the five people you hang out with most. And so, uh, I, I tell people that a lot, you're the average of the five people you hang out with most. And so what I wanted more than anything was to be surrounded by the best people possible. The, the, you know, the fittest, the strongest, the smartest, the most genuine, that's who I wanted to be with. And I knew that if my life was on the line, the four people next to me had a better chance than anyone in the world to make sure that I survived. And I wanted them to count on me to do the same.
0: Is there an interesting story how you didn't end up in the Marine Corps like your brother?
1: Yeah, he, he told me not,
0: not to. <laughs> Well, that's good that's an interesting <laughs> that's an interesting one in this direct
1: yeah yeah he was just like uh just do yourself a favor and don't be don't don't join the marines like i did and i was like okay um
0: what was your way your
1: brother's you know, I, father's job well he was an infantry guy, right? all right and then i think he was a boat driver for like the last two years or whatnot but you know all joking aside um you know, I just knew that I wanted to be a paratrooper and then a green beret. Right. So if you want to be in the infantry, you know, there's, there's two branches that you can achieve that in, you know, the Marines and the army, right. Then it's going to be, which Mm -hmm. one do you want to do more? But if you want to do something more specific, uh, specific or, or whatnot, even though now, like the Marines have more So you have different avenues. Um, you know, the only thing I tell people about the army is there's more opportunity, right. You can go in and you can be, you know, um, really badass and, and do everything you want for the first four years of your enlistment. And then if you're like, you know what, I actually want to a doctor now, then it's probably easier for you to go to med school through the army, right? Or yep. become a pilot or whatnot. So it's just bigger. It's a bigger pool, right? The Marines are a smaller entity. So there's less yeah. opportunity.
0: Smaller and we always have less money. So everything's a little bit harder.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I have an interesting question. Uh, have you, have you had, uh, have you read the book transformation by Remy Adeliki? No, you would love it because he had the same kind of hunger. And so it's a story of a man going from Nigeria. He was a Nigerian prince. He went to Bronx with his mom, really had a hard life in the Bronx and found a Navy recruiter that believed in him, got in the Navy as a corpsman, got stationed with on camp Pendleton and started training to be a Navy seal and tried to be a Navy seal three different times. And his transformation of finding that hunger and, find, and essentially getting to that place. And he was inspired actually by the movie The Rock uh, with the Navy SEALs. And he was like, he liked how they operated. He liked the eliteness of what their thinking was. And that really intrigued him. And he was on a hellbent mission to get it. And by the end of the book, it's just an amazing transformation. You're like, it's crazy to think how far he came. And I didn't know this at the time, but he was one of the Navy SEALs that was in Transformers movie as well. So he, uh. he he found an acting career on the other side of being a coming in Navy Seal, which he wasn't looking for. And he admitted in the book, like he avoided it like the play cause he didn't really enjoy it. And then he ended up being friends with Michael Bay now, which is the guy that that directed the rock movie, which started his whole thing. So oh, wow. him, his whole thing came full circle. Like the guy that ignited the passion, he ended up becoming friends with and getting to be in a movie with him. Like <laughs> it's just a cr- awesome, awesome story. If you like, that type of book it's a really good book when you think about things happen they do um let's fast forward a little bit what was it like because you had your moment of come to jesus before your kids and so you were kind of starting to get on the right path what was it like holding your kids for the first time because i can imagine the heaviness of what was the gravity that is when you hold your first child and then also with your life choices that you had been making before, but then also knowing the right path that you were on now. What was that moment like for you?
1: It's like nothing I've ever experienced, right? Like you could be the most determined and persistent dude in the world or lady in the world, right? But the moment you hold your child for the first time, you shatter that by like a billion. Mm-hmm infinity i mean you look at them and you're just like i'm responsible yeah nothing is ever gonna stop me from achieving what i need to achieve for you like that's what i felt like it was just an overflow of emotion and you know you know i think about that a lot like don't get me wrong like being an entrepreneur is not the easiest thing in the world if you want an easy life uh full of risk then just go work for someone the rest of your life and i'm sure you'll get fired a bunch of times from layoffs or whatnot. Um, and you'll go through those times of uncertainty and, and you'll fill out a thousand resumes. Um, and that's fine. And, and But yeah, you become an entrepreneur and there's there's a chance that you're going to fail, right? I mean, that chance has decreased if you go into franchising. But the point is, is it's still hard, okay? There's, there's nothing easy about it. And those late nights that you're putting in that work or you're doing payroll, or you're trying to figure out your marketing campaign, and you just want to go to bed or, or drink a beer or whatnot. Like that's when their faces pop up in your head, like your kids. And you're going, Nope, let's just turn this into high gear. I'm going to go get a cup of coffee and let's get this done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the the hunger that you had that seed planted way back when you were chasing the excellence in the army. And now as you grow, you're chasing that excellence to be the example for your your kids. And the crazy part. So you you have one daughter and one son, right? Is what I remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So your daughter, the crazy part about setting a clear example of who you are for them to lead by is that your daughters go into the world to find a copy of you and they measure every person they bring home by the measure of their father. And so if you, if you joke about that dad that has a shotgun at the door, that's the dad that wasn't the dad that he wanted her daughter to bring home. And when you model the right behavior, you have full confidence because she's going to let go someone that doesn't measure up to your standard. And so when you continue to set that bar and look at your life against theirs and like, I need to keep being hungry and pursuing energy and passion because they're going to go out into the world and they're going to look for me as an example for what to follow.
1: hundred percent, man. It's, it's, uh, it's, listen, you, you got to be the best that, that you can be, right? Like, I know it sounds cliche, but those are your kids that are looking on you. And, you know, I tell people, I go, you're, at this point, you're not doing it for you like all those all those hard hours like those late nights you're not doing it for you anymore you're doing it for them yep so so don't quit
0: even this podcast this podcast exists as a way because as I started diving into becoming a better dad I just got really excited about being a dad so like for me the one thing I want to do more than anything is just be dad like it's something like i am done trading the time and money for memories with my kids. Like that transaction doesn't compute anymore for me.
1: Uh, you know, I tell people the greatest thing that's ever happened to me is being a dad. It mm-hmm. is the most fun, challenging, rewarding, you know, profession on this earth. And um, when they start so calling you dad, incredible.
0: they start asking you questions. They start looking up to you. And especially your son, when he starts wanting, like my son's five and he's, Always copying me. He's at the copy stage, like everything, even the bottle of water I have. He'll have the exact same bottle of water. There was one day he figured out that I went to bed in my boxers and he decided he needed to model that. And so he was going against pajamas and he was going to go to bed in his boxers. And I was like, dude, just put some pajamas on. Or if you're going to come downstairs, you can't come downstairs to put some pants on, just like daddy does. I put (laughs) pants on before I come downstairs like they copy that you have to be the dad that that you want them to copy and even as the weather gets warmer here my son's been asking because I've been on a fitness kick for the last few weeks here he's like daddy can we go on a run yet outside and like what five-year-old intrinsically wants to ask their dad to go for a run but last fall I started running and get trying to get good at it because I always hated it and that's instilling an example that my kids want to follow like it's sometimes being a dad is hard because you don't always know what to do and there's a lot of choices to make but then other times it's super easy because whatever you do do they're going to follow so just pick the as frozen two says just pick the next right step and often that's going to be the right one that you need to take
1: yeah no you're totally right and uh you know i've never i didn't grow up watching disney movies but i, I guarantee i think i've seen all of them multiple times now uh so the french benefit of being a dad. <laughs> <laughs> um listen it's it's an incredible like a gift it, it really is you know I mean from from just watching him fall asleep on the couch or um listening or just watching goes, seeing
0: him fall asleep in bed like my youngest she's a free spirit but man she calm she's as calm as can be when she's sleeping and she's a little bit like sleeping beauty because she just sits there and it's like there's no way that wild spirit is inside that beautifully calm body that's just laying on the bed. And it's, yeah. it's a beautiful thing to, to, to remember. And the part that a lot of dads get hung up in, <laughs> if they stick into the work mode or being a provider, they don't really cherish to remember those moments, but like every season of being a dad changes and every day it changes and it moves on to the next season. If you don't cherish the season you're in, like my, my kids are always wanting one more hug from upstairs. And at first it was super annoying. I'd be like, just leave me alone. I just want to go downstairs and watch Netflix but then I realized like there's going to come a day where one more hug is all I want to hear. And it's just going to happen. Boom. Like that. It's going to be gone. And every moment could be that moment where boom, just like that, they're riding their bike. They don't need their training wheels and now they get their first taste of freedom without dad. And you're like, wow, that stage went by quick. And you'll say that a lot, but if you have those key little moments where you're like sitting down being present with them, like that's, that's where the, the big memories are made, and where you get your fuel to do everything you need to do during the day. Because when your your cup's filled with the uh, love of your kids and your family, you can go on. The, that's why the I, I added to the logo of the podcast: "Our family is our legacy." Because that's the greatest sense of joy that you can get in your world, and it can fuel every other area of your life.
1: I love that, man. Like it, it is, you gotta really appreciate these moments because they're gonna be gone they're gonna grow up and and uh, there's a on my instagram there's a video i was gone for two weeks and i and i took an insta story of me picking up my daughter from daycare Mm -hmm. and uh and (laughs) and i think i titled it like when your daughter hasn't seen you for two weeks and is yet to have her first boyfriend um because she sees me from across the room and it's like a glass door and i'm just recording and she sees me and she jumps off her teacher's lap and she's sprints to the door and like gives me a hug and record the whole thing and I'm just like one day she's not going to be excited she's going to put her headphones on she's like dad you're annoying yeah, like, oh, go man, away breaking that's heartbreaking, that's heartbreaking man. like oh. so i recorded that because i want to remember that forever
0: yeah that is kind of the good part of having an iphone like so much of never has our kids lives been digitalized in in our phones because growing up like you had pictures, but not every moment was on a picture. So like when you have a phone camera handy, you take a picture of everything. You bring up a good point there about coming home and it's the mission of our podcast. And while you didn't have kids while you were probably deployed, what are some lessons or what are some maybe mistakes that you maybe made coming home to your marriage? Like what was those experiences like when you were deployed? Because you probably saw you did a lot of things. You couldn't talk about a lot of those things. And at the time, you probably didn't know how to process them as well. So you're coming back home and it's not an easy thing to come back home to your marriage, even if you don't have kids to, to try to reintegrate with.
1: Yeah. I mean, you get, you get into a, uh, you know, I studied uh, PTSD resiliency at the national defense university in Washington, DC with, with a gentleman named Colonel Bowles. Cause I was a psychology undergrad. So I was his teacher's assistant. And we actually did a lot of work on this, which is, you know, resiliency for soldiers, men and women that are coming home from deployments and how, um, uh, how the interaction with their family unit and dynamic changes. Right. And so, you know, it's, it's more about what you can, what what you can do when you're away in my opinion. And that is never before has communication been more ubiquitous and accessible. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I was able to FaceTime quite a bit. Now it wasn't every day because sometimes I'd be on a mission or whatnot and, time differences or it it happened, but it's only you got to make that effort, right? You have to make that effort. And then when you get back, there's really a communication window where you have to sit down with your spouse and and kind of, because they've gotten into a routine. So if you're gone for six months, like
0: they learned to live with life life without you.
1: And so have you, like you've learned to go to the gym whenever you want, or like you eat at the child hall every day at 12. So like you get put in that, that routine routine also right like you've got dinner you've got breakfast you got lunch and like those are your childhood windows so guess what everything gets built around that right we're sold Mm -hmm. this way it is but you know it really is just like a discussion between the both of you and figuring out how you can come back you know together to coexist in a sense right and how do you divide and conquer now and respect each other's methods but also embrace each other's differences
0: Mm -hmm. it's something we talk about a lot in the podcast especially when there's a story of a father that has deployed and there is a term that i've kind of coined that uh, it's, it's called building an empathy bridge like try to build an empathy bridge of understanding of what life was like on each side of your your universes and by building that bridge you can come together and meet in the middle and then you can kind of continue forward together but until you kind of catch up and understand like Especially if you have kids, like dads, if you have like a twelve year old out there, a twelve year old out there, and you were gone for a little bit, like there is probably issues at school that they didn't have someone to come talk to, and maybe mom was too busy to sit down with. That's still probably a real issue. And when you try to just jump back in, they're not going to bring you that information right away. So you have to build that understanding with even with your kids. Like you have that pressure and that amazing that energy when you have those coming home videos on the internet that everyone sees. But after that, there's that real connection time where life happened when you were gone and you need to be able to be there to make it up. I've talked a lot about it like a credit card, like when you're gone, it's like borrowing time from a credit card. You gotta pay it back with interest and, and before you get going on the next time because you can't just keep borrowing from it because eventually those relationships have only so much time to give and they go bankrupt.
1: Yeah. No, you're You you're hit on the head, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: it, it's hard, right? Uh, but you make it happen, and uh, hopefully, your communication and that empathy bridge isn't built when you come home. Maybe it's it's being built while you're away as well.
0: Yeah, you can begin to talk about it, or at least be able to like wave at each other on each side of the the cat of the the, the, the gap where you're both on. Like you're not just completely not able to see each other, and you're still able to have that connection, or even just a friendly reminder, like you both still exist, because. I'm sure like especially if you had back in the days where you just had mail, like that letter was the only connection that you had. And I could imagine it'd be very easy to forget that connection. Or the letter stopped coming and you don't know whether the connection is gone or lost, or it's just he's in a place where he can't send a letter. Like
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's a it's it's definitely a different world that you're in.
1: Yeah, it's the delay, right? And you know, I was lucky enough to be able to FaceTime. Um, my kids while I was away and see them grow and they were able to see me. So when I came home, there was no intimidation or anything like that. It was daddy, you know, like they knew who I was. They heard my voice every day or every other day. Mm -hmm. It was wonderful.
0: Yeah. So as you look forward into the future, what are some of the things that you're looking forward to, to build your family legacy with your freedom, like what, what's your vision of what your family looks like with the freedom that your business has been able to build?
1: Um, Bucket list. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, we're building a house in Colorado in Eagle Vale. And so um, I'm just really excited to get out West and uh, really, you know, teach the great outdoors to my children. I really want them to grow up in that environment where, you know, we can go on hikes and bike rides and ski and snowboard and and just be in the mountains and live a life that's outside more instead of being cooped up and you know more city type life right and so yeah i want them to see that you know i've helped a lot of uh dads especially military veterans and moms and, and military moms um find a life that they love through franchising man and, and how that's impacted those children. And so I think if they can look at me and they can say, man, my daddy helped like a lot of people um, um, live their lives, which has helped a lot of kids have extraordinary relationships with their parents because they have the freedom to do so. That's, that's my goal. That's my mission, my new mission in life.
0: Mm-hmm. What do you think, like, what are you doing today to help feed that mission as far besides your family like like what to get to your like that vision what did you do to build because you didn't just wake up and like this is how i want to craft my life like how did you get from the point where you started to have freedom and you were able to actually have that clarity like what was that process like for you
1: well you know being green beret is being a force multiplier right so you know that's what we do we we force multiply and we help Uh, a lot of people think it's all rambo But a lot of our mission is, you know, for internal defense, right? And so we go there and we, we, you know, companies and battalions of foreign soldiers and we train them and we help them. We do humanitarian missions as well. Um, So it's always been ingrained in me is to like teach, coach, mentor, and also lead people. But, um, you know, I just, just, listen, I didn't, so I'm technically a franchise consultant now, right? And so, I didn't have me. I didn't use me when I purchased my franchises. And and although they're successful and I've already sold one and it's enabled me to get to this point in my life, I I really woke up one day and I was just like, man, like I had some hard times with my second franchise, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? And so I said, well, what if I can help veterans, especially, but then other individuals and investors buy? pass those and like you said earlier like take that shortcut and coach them and bypass those hard times by helping them find something that gives them this lifestyle freedom that they crave right um and so it just kind of hit me and and i luckily i found this opportunity through providence and you know it really has changed not only my personal demeanor every day because i wake up motivated and inspired to help other people um but man like I selfishly i get to do what i want i pick the days i work i i get to travel i make a great uh, earn a great living um you know because i still have my businesses and then i do this also um but most importantly it's allowed me the opportunity to give my kids things that they don't necessarily need, but some of the things that they want, right? And then it's yep. allowed me the time. Time is the only commodity we cannot earn more of. Yep. So I guess that's the underlying mission, right? And it's like time is, is it. you like we all get the same 24 hours in a day. Now, do you want to spend most of those hours working for someone else in a job you don't like? Or are you going to do what you want um, or do what's available to you, especially now in this economic environment? What a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, to take control of that time so that you can raise your kids where you want, how you want um, every single day and how you can be a positive influence in them. Cause I'll tell you what, I'm not miserable. Like when I used to come home from work, I was like, take my tie off. Yeah. Take my suit jacket off. Like what am I doing? How am I going to make more money? Right? Like miserable. I haven't had those feelings since and that rubs off on my family.
0: Mm-hmm. And that energy you bring home, how you show up is contagious in both ways, negative or positive.
1: Yeah. I'm so blessed, man. Like, Ben, I'm so blessed to like go pick up my kids every day from daycare and drop them off and, and, you know, to just go sit in swim class for 30 minutes every morning or every Monday and gymnastics class. And, um, and, and I, I wear what I want. Like in the winter, I wear a hoodie every single day. Like like I put my suits away. I don't even wear them anymore. If there's a funeral or a wedding and I'll bring it out. But like, other than that, I wear what I want and, and I'm happy, man. I make a great living. I help other people do the same. Like the best part is when they call me and they're like, dude, thank you so much. Yeah. You're, you're changing to me,
0: family trees forever.
1: Dude, that to me is is incredible. Um, you know, and I know what it's like, dude. I grew up in a broken family. Like uh, my mom didn't have an education. Um, I know what it's like, what it could be, right? I know what it could be. And if I'm doing my part to help veterans and individuals, uh, find that meaning and that passion in their life where they can live a life, uh, that they love, I'm winning because I know that those kids are going to be taken care of for the most part Mm -hmm. and they're going to just impact their lives for generations. Yeah. That to me is creating generational wealth.
0: And the part, the, you're, you hit on a big point there with what I talk about when I talk about legacy. When you focus on the, your family as your legacy, you can literally create generational change. Like, you're not your effectiveness isn't measured in days, weeks, or years. It's in generations. Because if you create and help create amazing adults that understand their gifts and how they can help change the world, then the funny part is they go out and change it. And if they keep that recipe going, like, you can literally affect millions of people by putting three solid adults that understand who they are and how they can benefit the world. Like that's, yeah, I mean, that's part of the magic of when you show up as a dad.
1: Yeah. When I hope that they grow up and they just, they're like, wow, my dad, like I knew he got stressed here and there because of business or out, but he was always around. He coached my teams, picked me up from school, you know, like I hope that's their memory. Right. Whereas like, yeah, yeah, my dad was always around, you know, as opposed to, you know, one of the memories I had, which was they were always working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd come home, they were gone. I'd I'd go to school, they were gone. Right. Like you never see them. They're just, they're gone. Um, And so I hope they get to grow up knowing that. And in the end, you know, this is a, this is not the status quo. I mean, listen, entrepreneurship and self-employment and business ownership is a majority of our economy, by the way, Uh, it is a majority of how Americans are, are living their lives and making a living through small business ownership, believe it or not, um, which is why this CARES Act and the PPP is so important as yeah. we're trying to keep small businesses alive and create new ones, by the way.
0: Dave Ramsey um, always talks about an awesome statistic that like a half a percent of the millionaires in the United States live in Hollywood. Like yeah. if you think of the wealth in Hollywood, like, oh, those are the only rich people. That's like a half a percent of the people that have a million dollars of net wealth network.
1: Yeah, no, it's a lot. And uh, like a majority of our economy is, is from self-employment. Okay. And so it's not, my point is, is that even with that's the case, right? It's, it's not the status quo. Okay. So if the, the risk that I take in being self-employed, and I say risk with air quotes, right? I'm in charge of my destiny. There's no risk there. I, yeah. I find it more risk.
0: The risk isn't how weak you are to take the action you need to get to where you want to go.
1: Well That, I think it's just more, there's more risk when I put my hands in, a, in, in when I put my life in the hands of an employer, mm-hmm. because they can, they can lay me off, fire me, they can do whatever they want um, at any time, right? Like I don't have a say, I'm not creating an asset that builds value over time, right? So I'm creating their asset that builds value over time so there's more risk there me being an entrepreneur doing what i love to do um is really not that risky but in the eyes of society it kind of is okay so if my kids see me doing this my entire life and my wife doing it um man i just feel like fortune uh you know uh fortune favors the bold. i hope that they carry that with them and they're able to go on humanitarian trips when they're young or join the military, do their time or the Peace Corps, or whatever it is that they want to do, right? I don't want them to be scared and think that they have to follow, fall into like this, this mold of what society tells them. I want them to have that courage.
0: Yeah. The, I don't know if you know who Ryan Mickler is, but he has the Order of Man podcast. And I asked him what he would send himself back for a piece of advice to when he left the army and he put it brilliantly and I've kind of almost adopted it and do the same thing. He said he would have told himself, to take more risks. Like, like the greatness of your life is determined by the, the the largest of the steps that you take. And if you're taking very small steps, you're going to have very small progress. But if you're willing to take big action and set big goals and to take big risks to get there, not like crazy, stupid risks, but risks just to get outside a comfort zone that Netflix isn't the only place you should be at eight o'clock at night. Like maybe it's working on a business like that is the recipe to help build an alternative life. And like what you said, there's nothing wrong with having an eight to five job. It, there is an entire group of people that they're perfectly happy. Like there's no inclination for anything different like that. And it's not that there's anything wrong with them They're They find exactly what they want throughout what they get to the end of the day. But then if you're lying to yourself and you're playing that role and you're not feeling, you're not acknowledging this feeling, that's what Dan is talking about. That there is that feeling and if you feel that feeling, you need to honor that feeling because it's never going to go away. It's just going to continue to eat at you, and you're going to be 45 and look back, you realize that you missed the biggest opportunity that you could take to radically change your life.
1: One of my favorite quotes, Dan Ben, is: uh, "If you don't take risk, your future is known." It's, it's that simple. It's that simple, man. If you don't take any risk, you're gonna. You're in 20 years, you're going to be sitting in that same cubicle.
0: Yep. And the opposite, there's two sides to your quote coming from Frozen 2. As the old troll says, when your future is unknown, the only thing you can take is the next right step. (laughs) So now you have a double-sided quote for you. Yeah, man, I love it. (laughs) So as we wrap up this interview, what's a piece of advice you want to give for, for dads that is kind of like your one liner that is, the one thing you would put on a billboard if you could of what it means to help be a good dad.
1: The chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most for what you want at the moment.
0: That's good. That's definitely uh, wise wisdoms out there, dads. If you're listening to that, that should hit to the core because that. Say it one more time, just for the listeners to get a good idea of. it One more time.
1: Yeah, the, the chief cause of unhappiness and failure is trading what you want most for what you want at the moment.
0: Yeah. And as Americans, that is a recipe for disaster because we can have instant gratification. We are microwave culture, but that is the recipe for credit card debt, a car payment that you no longer want, a job that you no longer want to pay that car, and a house that is so big that you actually have a job that makes you miserable to pay for that house all of that is trading it while you have for the immediate comfort for something bigger that you want. Mm-hmm. Well, Dan, I really love this conversation. Can you give us one piece of information? If we want to follow up with you, Of anybody out there that's looking to start the franchise, where is the best place to get in touch with you so you can radically influence their life?
1: Uh, yeah, no, I really appreciate that. Ben. Uh, that is my mission. I want to help you. There's, there's no uh, strings attached. Uh, I don't charge you a dime, uh, but You can find me on Instagram at the Dan Lorenz, uh, Facebook, uh, Dan Lorenz. And then um, also on LinkedIn, you can search for Dan Lorenz. But uh, uh, I also have my website, which is www.synergix.com, which is S-Y-N-Y-R-G-X.com. But again, if you just find me on Instagram, you can go to my profile and you can link right
0: to it. And I'll put all those Uh, links in the show notes. So that way you don't have to worry about writing it down from the episode. And you can go right there and check them out and follow Dan because where you were going in life and what your kids are doing, I can't wait to someday see an Instagram post 20 years from now and to see your kids go out into the world with the energy and the excitement and the passion to go out there and change it.
1: Then like that's, that's, every, that's every day I wake up with that vision, man. And I really appreciate you saying that. And I just want everyone to know that, um, Hey, anything can start with a conversation, right? The reason Ben and I are here together is because we had the courage to talk to someone we've never met before, never seen, and just figured out where it goes. And so whether you want to be on a podcast like me, I wanted to be on Ben's podcast, and um, or you want to learn is franchising or entrepreneurship even for me, it all starts with a conversation. So the ball's in your court.
0: Well, I appreciate it. And I have a, a tagline that I often repeat that you're always one conversation away from something amazing coming into your life and you're going to miss hundred percent of those shots you don't take. And you are a great example of that, Dan, because this friendship is just getting started and you can't, you're, the amount of opportunity you have in your life is directly correlated to the amount of strangers you're talking to. And if you want more opportunity, you need to find more strangers to talk to.
1: Hey, Ben, uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for your service and uh, welcome home. Man.
0: Thank you. That's a wrap. And thank you for listening to today's show, and I really hope you enjoyed it. The lifeblood of any new podcast are the reviews. If you haven't reviewed the podcast yet on iTunes, I would really appreciate it, and you will help us get the message out to even more military veteran dads. As John Maxwell says, if there is hope in the future, there is power in the present. Dads, it's time to come home.